Welcome to the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. Let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy helping other people? Do people keep coming to you for advice? Or maybe you keep finding yourself in career conversations. If you want to know what it really takes to become a career coach and help others pursue work they love by doing something that you love, well, then this is the podcast for you. We will be talking to experienced career coaches, exploring what it really means to be a career coach and how they were able to first get their start, the challenges they overcame, and many lessons learned along the way. I'm Scott Anthony Barlow. I'm the CEO and founder of Happen to Your Career and the creator of the Professional Career Coach Training and Certification. Hey, welcome to the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. Today on the podcast, I am particularly excited because we have with me somebody who I have a ton of respect for as a coach, and also I've had the opportunity to get to know her over the last, well, I guess we originally met close to two years ago at this point via email, and since that point in time, we have had the opportunity to work with her on our team. But she's also been a coach for much, much longer than that, and it had a really amazing story and amazing set of transitions too. And we're going to get to dig in all of those pieces to help you understand what is going to be most relevant to you potentially becoming a career coach and what that looks like. So I'm really excited to dig into your story. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly Polson. How are you? Thank you for having me, Scott. I'm doing quite well. Thanks. So I know this because you and I have had the opportunity to work together in a variety of capacities over the last, I guess, uh, number of months, but it seems like I've known you for years at this point. Mm. But for everybody else's benefit here, what did you do before you were career coaching? What did, what did your career progression look like? The short story is I'm primarily an HR generalist, how that came to be, right? I Started psychology, wanted to be a psychologist, ended up starting in talent acquisition and did a lot of that high volume recruiting for a few years and then wanted more. So I did a little bit of learning and development. And through every career progression, every change, I took on more and more. So I started my career working in nonprofits. I went to the advertising space and it was there that after having done benefits and learning and development, employee relations, and basically every component of HR. I discovered coaching. And so for me, it was, all right, I've learned everything I feel like I can about HR, though I say that with a grain of salt because when humans are involved, who knows? (laughs) There's never learning everything that there's possible to know. Yeah. But it was at that point that I discovered what coaching was and then started to build that into my day-to-day work, even though it already had been there. It just wasn't defined as such and led more and more with that type of work within my career and Stayed in the HR space, wearing all of the hats for several more years to come and building an internal coaching program and starting to side hustle and all that jazz, which I'm sure we'll get into, but fast forward to today where I coach pretty much 100% of the time. Amazing. So when you were back then first discovering coaching, Mm -hmm. was that something where you instantly became excited about that or was that much more of a, a transition as well? I read a book. Yeah. And my immediate reaction was, oh my gosh, this is what I do. This is what I love to do. This is a thing. I didn't know that. Right. And (laughs) I think 
I spent the next several months buying copies of that book and handing it out internally so that I could sell the executive team on letting me try an internal coaching program. What was that book? Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly. It's a fictional story about a company with awful turnover. And one of the things that they did to help enhance the employee experience was hire a coach to help people achieve their personal dreams and goals in order for them to be happier, better performing employees in the long run. Mm, Absolutely love that. So then after you discovered this book, sold everyone on coaching in the in the company and bought it for everybody, spread it like a virus throughout the company, or maybe a much more positive reference, whatever that would be, the opposite of virus. And what uh, what happened from there? So the program launched probably within, I don't know, like I said, probably about a six month sell. And then I launched a program internally. And initially it started small, but then um, over... And I led that program for a few years. I had more than half of the agency in it. It was a smaller organization. So let's say we had 50 employees, but I had 25 of them in the program with me yeah. that I would meet with individually. Typically at that point, it was once or twice a month, very depending upon the person, helping them achieve all sorts of dreams and goals. It really spanned a large continuum of things that I could be working on with them. So what prompted you to make the decision then from that point where you're working with people in that capacity inside your organization to have interest in becoming a career coach or have an interest in beginning a side hustle, as you put it? Well, I knew that without a doubt, that was the most exciting part of my day, right? Anytime I was able to lean into a coaching skill set or use those skills was when I was at my best. Sure, I could run your open enrollment, but I was not the most pleasant person when I was doing that work. (laughs) So what happened was I knew I liked it. I knew I wanted to do more of it, but found myself in roles where I had to do about a hundred other things in order to allow myself to do the coaching work. But during that time, I had plenty of friends and probably people who I was coaching internally who would send their friends to me. And originally it was, oh, this is so cool, right? I don't even work with these people and they're getting sent to me. And it was a favor or thing I was doing for a friend of a friend. And then obviously at some point it dawned on me when a friend said something to the effect of, well, she was going to go see a career coach, but I said, you should talk to my friend Kelly. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, (laughs) your friend Kelly qualified to be doing this work as well. And I think for me, it was one of those moments that shifted it. And I thought, okay. I should be doing this outside of and start to do more of it if that's what I enjoy most. And clearly, you know, I've got the ability. Yeah. So that prompts, I think, an additional question then. For you, it sounds like you had already been doing this work for a period of time. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, what do you feel like qualifies someone to become a career coach? This is a question that we get all the time. And I don't think there's necessarily one answer, but I'm curious, what do you what do you believe are some of the most important pieces to either develop what are going to be great qualifications for becoming a career coach? And I'm not just talking about on paper necessarily, but those things that are going to prepare you. But what's your opinion on that? I wholeheartedly believe that there's so many ways to get there and so many ways to be good at it. I think that it's the listening skills, the creating space and letting someone think out loud and and be in it with them and focus and and knowing that they're the expert on themselves and you may or may not, you're you're not going to have the answer, I think is really valuable because often when people come to coaches, they want an answer, right? I want to take this test and you tell me exactly what it is I'm doing and it doesn't really work like that, which I think for a lot of folks, because I know 
a lot of times people assume that because I spent time in talent acquisition or human resources, that makes me a better coach. It may or may not, right? I do think, sure, it gives you a leg up on someone because you've been in the world for so long. Like I've been looking at resumes for close to 20 years just from different perspectives. Yeah. But I see a lot of value in someone who hasn't been immersed in a space working with someone. What I mean by that is they will ask different questions out of solely out of curiosity because they don't understand the space. So I think sometimes when someone says, well, I spent my whole career working in media or I did you know, something completely different, you're still able to make that transition. And sometimes it's even more powerful for people because of the types of questions you'll ask because you haven't been immersed in that work all day, every day. Mm. Those types of things where in our heads, because we've been immersed in it, we might think that there's a right answer. So it causes us to ask a different type of question. Yes. Yeah. Love it. That's really interesting. So then as you're thinking about that, and those active listening skills, those ability to hold space, what do you think somebody needs to do? What are think some of the most effective things to be able to develop that? And also, what caused you to be able to develop those skills for yourself? It's funny, you're asking the question and immediately my head went to meditation and I don't meditate. <laughs> like, that's something I do. I because I just read a book recently yeah. on it. But I do think that, talk about holding space. Right? If, if you're not someone who naturally is incredibly curious and an active listener. And that's something that comes practicing that. So whether you're practicing that with your children or practicing that with your neighbor or whatever it is, paying attention to how often am I the speaker in this conversation? And am I really listening to that person? Could I paraphrase back to them what they just said? Or am I just waiting for my opportunity to speak? And I think regardless of what your role is, I think we could all benefit from doing a little bit of work in that space. So I think for me, that curiosity and that listening is something that's innate, but being more mindful of it and and harnessing it at the right time in the right place with the right people. Um, and, you know, I devour every piece of content I can, book, podcast, course, or otherwise to get my skills to the best place possible. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> for context too, you and I have had multiple, many conversations about different books and your tendency to devour and your curiosity in that in that way. And we did on a totally different podcast, on the Happen to Your Career podcast, you can actually search um, Happen to Your Career and Top Career Books. And it'll pop right up a different podcast that you and I did together where it showcases some of those books and also how you've gone about learning that and incorporating that. So if you're interested in that subject, go do that, go Google it. Otherwise though, the thing that I'm taking from you is that when you're thinking about coaching, particularly career coaching, if you are not interested in having that curiosity, you're not interested in uh, being able to listen to people, then it's probably going to be a struggle, a perpetual struggle to do something like coaching versus if you have the interest and have the curiosity and whether that's developed over time or it's just there and it's innate, then it's probably going to be a better fit too. And then it sounds like you're recommending the, the 
taking the opportunity to intentionally develop that, whether you use the example of you know talking to your neighbor or coworker or the person down the street or whatever else it happens to be too. And if you're finding yourself in those situations, in those conversations over and over again, and if you're doing that and enjoying it or doing so intentionally, then it's probably going to be a better fit plus get you development. Is that right? Absolutely. What do you think then for you as you think about your progression as a, as a coach, particularly as a career coach, what do you think has been the hardest thing since you have, since you've made the leap? Actually, let's, let's back up first. I do want to ask that, but how did you first know it was time to make the leap for you? Okay. A few things happened simultaneously as I think the universe tends to do for us. I was doing internal coaching and loving it. I had a side hustle. So I was, um, you know, doing external career coaching and loving that. Yeah. At the same time, my boss, whom I adored, resigned. And I was getting more external coaching that I could handle in my, quote, side hustle. So for me, it all came to a head. And I thought, all right, if I'm ever going to do it, now's the time. That had never been, like starting my own thing had never been my long-term plan. It wasn't really something I thought of, but it seemed like it made the most sense for me at that time. So that was, we're not quite at two years yet, but a little while ago and have not regretted the leap even on the hardest days. So that then leads right into that other question then that I started to ask, what made it some of those hardest days for you? Yeah. Well, so I think there's two things. Challenge in terms of like coaching. Difficulties is the second guessing yourself or the biting your tongue when you want to tell someone to do something and that's not what it is, right? It's not, you should be doing this. Well, great. Let them get to it themselves. So it's meaningful for them. But so there's that holding that space and training myself to do it. But I would say more so, and I find this with a lot of coach friends is that I get into it because I love the work. And sure, I want to earn a living. And yes, I want to spread the message as far as I can. And a part of that is getting an audience and, and all of the stuff that comes along with that. But I don't necessarily, you know, love spending time on scheduling systems or, you know, doing all of sometimes the back end parts of the business that for me is not what lights me up. But there's also that, well, I can't afford to bring someone to help me do this, right? So there's that whole scarcity of, well, if I let go of this, what if something else doesn't come in? And I think that for me at the start of the business was much more challenging the actual coaching itself. Like I would get off a coaching call and be like, man, that was awesome. I love this. And then it would be like, oh no, I have to have a meeting with a CEO to talk about new business or something. And then it would be like, oh, oh, I hate this part. It was much more about the business building skills, that side of it, that made it more challenging when all I wanted to do was nerd out and read coaching books and talk to clients. So what did you end up doing then to work your way through that? It still happens on occasion, but I have a mix of, and obviously, you know, I I coach with your team, but I coach with a few places so that, sure, I have direct clients that find me, but I also have a mix of HGYC clients that I work with and places where they are the business leading the forefront on telling people about the work and how to find us and all of that thing, all of that piece of it that maybe isn't something as exciting for me, but I get to do the work with the clients. So I, I've done that. And then I, you know, I think some of it as well, because I do some internal still with businesses, a CEO is just a human being like anyone else, right? It's stop telling yourself that story that they're some, somehow different than you are because they're in charge of a company. But I think, again, just like anything else, practice helps. Yeah. Yeah. So for you then, you've really, over the last two years or so, or approaching two years, 
arrived at, I think if I recall, a different mix now than what you had set out to have or what you felt like there was the pressure to have in, in some different ways then. So one, what advice would you give somebody as they're trying to determine, hey, you know, should I be looking at this for myself as a going full time or should I be working with another organization or should I do a combination of it? What has helped you determine that right answer for you yourself? Mm. Well, I think knowing yourself. If I had not side hustled and just went for it, no way. I would not have been functioning or a a good coach at that time because I would have been so nervous and scared of all of the other components of it. So I knew for me that side hustling was the way to go. That's not to say it is for everyone. But I could predict, okay, here's what I'm doing when I'm working full time. Well, here's a sense of what it would look like when I focus solely on coaching. So I think for me, that was a big part of it. And then... I don't want to say letting go because it sounds like not being proactive, but stop trying to control every piece of it. I think I fought for quite some time and I know every program suggests it. getting really crystal clear on who my audience was. It was, well, no, I want to work with everyone. And I paid the price for that. (laughs) In what way? What do you mean when you say I paid the price for that? I spun in so many directions and I was writing for every audience possible and speaking for every audience possible, which means it was so diluted. I wasn't speaking to anyone. So it was all this energy in so many different directions when I let go of some of it and got a little more focused. But realizing that speaking to one audience does not mean that you're closing the door on the others was really freeing. So to say, yes, I want to do career coaching and work with all of the you know people who are all of the things that matter for me. It does not mean if you don't fall exactly into that age range or industry or whatever, I won't work with you. It just means that everything that I'm creating, writing, putting myself out there to get in touch with is speaking more to that group. But it doesn't mean that if someone reached out and wants me to do something different, I could not work with them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a great point, too. And I know you and I have had multiple conversations about that as well. By the way, for reference and a little bit of context, so what Kelly's talking about here in our professional career coaching certification program, we call that your target market. And in this case, Kelly, you mentioned that that who you're focused on, if you're focused on such a broad amount of people or types of people, then that dilutes your message overall that you can't reach. It makes it more difficult to reach that versus focusing on a very, very narrow set of market where you can make a much higher impact. So what's the cliche? An inch inch wide, mile deep? Is that it? Something along those lines? Close enough. I don't know, but I feel like anyone who's listening, I had that told to me from everywhere, from people I respected, and I thought, nope, I have to do this. I can do this and I'll figure it out for myself. And then landed there and thought, if you weren't so stubborn, perhaps you would have heard that message from other people. But I learned by doing. So that was my experiment to figure out. (laughs) So how did, back when you were in your side hustle, after you'd had that that situation occur where your friend had recommended, hey, go and talk to Kelly. Don't talk to a career coach. Talk to Kelly instead. And you had that relevation. What caused you to, after that point, go from there to your first paying clients? What took place in there? How did you get your first paying clients as well? Um, referrals primarily at the start. I also started working with Muse a little bit, as you know. So they have a lot of traffic to their site. You create your profile, right? They find me through that. So I would say my first few were friends of friends and then started there. And 
as you can imagine, just like the experiment and everything else, what I was charging then is not what I'm charging now. And evolution and things that you, it gets interesting from, yes, I'm willing to have coffee with you because you're a friend of a friend to, well, now you have to pay me X in order to talk on the phone with me for X amount of time, right? That's a weird dynamic that you eventually get through and conquer because you are providing value and immense value. You spend, you and I have this conversation all the time, but you spend way too much time at your job to hate what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you believe gave you some of that confidence to go from what you were initially charging to say what you charge now? Mm. A few things. Part of it's feedback, right? Success of the clients that I've worked with and, and hearing that. And that always helps. I think what also helps is there are only so many hours in a day. And when you're pulled in a lot of directions, I, I found that when I went, if I was not charging enough, I almost and through no fault of their own, was I showing up in the best possible way that I could with that person if I undervalued, if I went low on a number? Were we both showing up in the right way to get them to what they wanted? Were we valuing our time together and our commitment to doing the work together? Because I found if I was not doing that, I didn't feel it was fair of me to work with people in that way any longer. So I think that's really powerful. At some point, I had that same realization. And I don't remember where it happened for me necessarily, but I had an interaction with not a bad client necessarily, but somebody who I realized that I wasn't necessarily showing up to the conversation the same way I would as if it were at a higher price point. That made me feel bad, actually. It made me feel terrible the first first time that that happened. And then it caused me to have that same type of realization. It really changes the dynamic. And when you change the dynamic, then to your point, it it causes difference in support or results or how you show up, the types of energy you have when you show up. So yeah, yeah, it's something that is really intangible, but makes a real difference in terms of outcomes too. So I really appreciate you, you sharing that. So what advice would you have for people when they're thinking about, that and as they are getting into you know some of their initial paying clients and as they are considering raising prices. Mm. Well, so I think for me, part of the reason I'm a coach, and I'm sure many of us, is that I enjoy helping people, right? I want to yeah. help people get to where they want to get to. So for me, I might have been like, well, I'm, you know, whatever story you tell yourself, I'm being greedy or I'm doing whatever it is. It's when I turned it on its head to that to say, I'm not going to help them in the way that I want to help them if I'm not believing in this relationship, charging what I should be charging and, and really showing up. So for me, that was a much easier way to, to approach it so that it felt more about them and their success in the long run. But I would also say, again, it, it's a journey. And for me, often when I get a little nervous about that, it's I'm not working with them now. I'm not losing anything in this. Right. It's a gain if I do work with that person. And I think especially when you're starting out, That is super scary. And for me personally, because I started outside hustling, my financial situation was what it was. Anything that came in from coaching was nice and it was great. But for me, I wasn't, you know, I didn't need that to pay all my bills and to feel comfortable and have the life that I wanted. So then when I did go out on my own, I had already been functioning that way for so long that it wasn't a, oh, I please, 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 please hope they work with me. No, sure, I want to work with people, but I didn't have the attachment to it that I believe had I gone straight from salary to full-time coaching without 
having flexed that muscle for a while, I would have experienced. And I know a lot of people do. Hmm. So let me ask you this then, because you've been, how long ago was it roughly when you started side hustling? Oh gosh, 2010. 2010. So like uh, you know, roughly nine, eight, nine, ten years or so. It doesn't feel like that. No. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can totally appreciate that and understand that. And I feel very much the same way for my story. You're one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on the team. I don't know if I've told you this or not, but you're one of the few people that I've met that is a career coach that has been doing career coaching and also coaching in general for as long as I have. And (laughs) even though coaching is relatively popular now, and it's a much, a much more accepted term and usage and practice and stuff across organizations and every place else. Yeah. Thank goodness. It's about dang time, but uh, you were in it before it was popular. So Knowing and having all that experience, I think it's easy for somebody to look at your story and say, oh, I, don't, I don't have like anywhere near as much experience in there. So my question becomes, if you had to do it all over again and you had to escalate it and say that you didn't have those years to be able to get into it, what yeah. would be maybe you have three months to start your business and get into career coaching in the way that you want to? What would you do? What would you do during those those three months? What would be some of the most important things for you to move through that progression? Probably a few things. Well, one, I would start coaching immediately regardless of when I had a website or when I had a program or had a plan or a certificate or whatever it is. I'm not, I never say you're not being misleading to someone, right? But, but be open and, and do the work because I think that's immensely valuable. I did go through a certification program and I do see the value in that piece of it. For sure. I think depending upon the program, they all have different vibes. They all have different tenures. They all have, obviously you've got yours and and I'm clearly a fan. And I think a lot of what's out there now specific, now I'll say, I don't know much about the just career coaching focused programs. I've done broader and done research there. Most don't do the business building piece of it justice in a way that, that I think so many of us need based on what I mentioned earlier, right? So much of it was the, I didn't know how to handle the business piece. And considered myself lucky because I had been working in businesses for so long that at least I, but through osmosis, picked up some things. So I would say finding a program or finding some schooling, getting a coach for yourself, that's all really crucial and, and trusting that process. So if I started now, I would hire a designer and have someone work with me on doing those pieces as opposed to the first square space that I wanted to do myself. And like all the things where it's just like, well, I can do this. I can do this on my own. But being able to doesn't mean that that's the ideal way for you to have something come to fruition. Mm. So that's really interesting then. So I heard start coaching right away. Regardless, like begin getting in reps now, be transparent with people or don't lie to them or anything along those lines, but get coaching ASAP. And so appreciate that you pointed that out. I don't think we've had anybody point that out on this podcast so far, but totally, utterly agree with that. And additionally, what I heard is go get some training, both not just on the everyone looks at the coaching piece, but also the business side as well. And so when you're looking at programs, look for both of those. Then the third thing that I heard too is (laughs) strategically get help in other areas on top of it, as opposed to spending many, many, many hours flitting through Squarespace or whatever other, you know, getting a website up and things like that. uh, Then, you know, get some help and support in order to make that happen. 
Yes. Anything else that you'd add to that? That's an amazing set of steps to take. Again, just put yourself out there and start doing it. Because I think so many of us will spend all of this time in planning mode and identifying everything, like trying to get everything, quote, perfect, which doesn't exist anyway. Yeah. And it only becomes more and more scary to get started the longer you plan and perfect and worry about all of it. So just put yourself out there and know that it's always going to be a work in progress, just like we are, and that that's all good. That's so interesting, too, as you say that. I think a lot of people have a tendency to look at those websites out there or look at our company's website that happened to your career or things like that and be like, oh my goodness, that uh, that's like the gold standard. But they don't necessarily know that it is always, in fact, a work in progress. When we look at our own website, I see... 15, 20 different things that uh, we haven't prioritized high enough that need to be changed that aren't working in some way, but we haven't necessarily made it a priority in order to change it because we've got other things going on in the business that are more important at a given time. And people don't see that. So instead, it appears as though that there is some kind of perfection when that is, that's false. So I so appreciate you pointing that out, Kelly. It's like social media. What do they say? You see everyone's highlight reel on social media? Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. They see the highlight reel and who knows what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. Two other questions here. One, if people have questions or are interested in more of your story or anything like that, where or how can they connect with you? My website is just my name. So Kelly Polson, P-O-U-L-S-O-N.com. LinkedIn, I'm a fan. I'm on there all the time. Happy to connect with anyone. Obviously, I'm on, on the HTYC site and happy to connect with any and all folks through there as well. Yeah, I'm always happy to share more of my story and especially to talk to people contemplating the coaching leap because I would have been so happy to have had a conversation with myself a few years ago when I knew all of this, <laughs> but I didn't have that then. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate that. And I don't ask everyone this question, but I know that you have amazing book recommendations all the time. So aside from the books that we've already talked about here, what do you think would be the best two or three books? I'm limiting you to two or three because I know we could probably put it together a list of 15 that helped prepare you or made an impact on coaching for you or your coaching business. Okay. So coaching business coaching related esque. Yes. Yeah. The Prosperous Coach. Not sure if you're familiar with that. I yeah. I couldn't, okay. That in particular, how they speak about in me saying sales and marketing is not necessarily a huge part of my their recommendations and how you talk to clients or potential clients and how you bring that to life really spoke to me. And every now and again that's something that I revisit when I feel I need it. So I don't know if this is coaching specific or Kelly specific and, and Go for also it. had her on the podcast, Jen Sincero. You are a badass really spoke to me as did you are a badass at making money. So those are two that every now and again, I revisit and obviously she herself is a coach. So I feel like I get help within help there because it's, it's from a double another bonus. Coach. Right, right. So those are two for sure. And I think maybe I'll, I, I go a lot of Brene Brown too. And again, she's not necessarily coach specific, but a lot of that is finding the bravery within myself to help other people. And I think I probably spend more time there than coaching techniques or skills because I find that I learn that better in a course or on a webinar or in a live conversation or going to meetings and things like that. I appreciate all of those recommendations. And I think it's super interesting too that 
And that I think that's one of the reasons why you're such a great coach <laughs> is because you place even a higher value on those things like you know, having brave conversations, which is sometimes harder, much harder to do than like coaching techniques and everything mm-hmm. else like that. So I so appreciate that you value in a lot of ways the harder things above some of the some of the other things that have a tendency to be, I don't know, like candy or, or shiny things or whatever else it might be. And you and I get to chat pretty regularly. Uh, I enjoy every time we get to chat, but we don't always get to record it. So thank you so much for <laughs> for coming on and sharing your story with all of our listeners. And thank you very much for all of the advice. Of course, you are quite welcome. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode on how to become a career coach. Go to howtobeacareercoach.com to sign up for our 14-day email series that takes you through step-by-step everything you need to become a career coach and find out how it could be possible for you. 